Blondes with glasses, they can't sing. Blondes with glasses, let's do this podcast thing. Hey, Shannon. Hi, Becca. So you were out and about. You had a busy weekend. I did indeed. I went to Smith, our alma mater, Mm -hmm. and so I drove up to Boston the day before, Mm -hmm. and I went up there for family weekend because I was doing my book event, so I stayed with Perry and Lisa, two of our listeners, and Lisa was listening to our podcast just before (laughs) she got home where I was. I was like already at her house, and so she walked in the door, and she was like, I just heard you, (laughs) and then uh, the next day I went out to Smith, and I was there for Montage, which of course is very familiar to us because it's the big event where all the music groups perform and mm-hmm. got to hear Crapapella perform again which was lovely and two of the crappies came to my book event and Aww. they had me sign their books and I said stay crappy <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was lovely but it was so rainy and I was not prepared for the Massachusetts weather yet so mm. that was rough but and all the puddles um, on campus I'm assuming they still exist Yes. I mean, they did fix that really bad one outside of Cutter because they got rid of the whole driveway in front of Cutter, which I didn't realize about. But, um, wow. Yeah. Weird. But yeah, definitely still. Did it feel really weird being back there and it looking different? It kind of felt weird. Well, first of all, I didn't walk around a bunch because it was too rainy. So Mm -hmm. I, like, I meant to go to the Rainbow Arch to go, like, say goodbye to it because they're tearing it down. Oh, you called the Rainbow Arch. Interesting. What is it? I've always called the it the ne- Nielsen oh, the neon Arch. Oh, the Neon Arch is what I normally call oh, it. Oh, I call it the Nielsen Arch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rainbow Road, as it's commonly called. <laughs> anyway, they're getting rid of that for the new library scheme or whatever. And I was I was going to go down there, but I, it was too cold and rainy, so I didn't. But, mm. I mean, it, was, it felt really nice, honestly. Like, I kind of loved it, and I was like, I want to move back here right now. Where did and... you stay when you were there? I stayed in East Hampton at my friend's house. Oh, okay. One of the theater department employees. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we went to the Green Bean downtown, and the wait time was like an hour and 15 minutes, which Lordy. was the norm, I think. <laughs> it's a popular place. Yeah, and I got a milkshake from the campus center, and then I like couldn't eat dinner because it was so filling. <laughs> um but it was so nice to see, like, the Smithies. However, I will say, they all looked so young to me. And I mm-hmm. had this moment where I was just like, oh, my God, I'm crisping into a dried husk of a person. Like, <laughs> leave yeah. me behind. You know, this week I went to a Smith happy hour um, with my friend Hannah, who also went to Smith. And I, sh- I showed up there just a few minutes before she did. And I saw a bunch of people with name tags saying, like, class of 16 and 15 <gasps> and stuff. And I was looking at them like nope <laughs> the, the two of us literally we just wanted to catch up and uh-huh. so we just went and like sat in this dark corner and we were just like talking and we realized that we didn't do any like happy mingling. hour mingling or whatever <laughs> and we were just like why did we both trek all the way out to shaw when we both live in virginia <laughs> but, it was, but it was fun it was an adventure oh well yeah i think it's it is quite a grouping of people and I think no matter what even if even as time goes on and we're further and further away from our time at Smith I still feel like I'll always feel this way about it like I'm right now I'm currently wearing Mm -hmm. two items of clothing that are Smith related I also bought new Smith socks so that I've never had socks before I could have like a complete almost a complete outfit except they don't sell Smith bras that's the one thing so Mm. well we would just burn them you know uh, 
Oh, that is a great joke, which Thank leads you. us into the fact that we're going to be talking about really depressing things today. <laughs> no. I suppose. Yeah, so this conversation is because we went on a texting tirade together. Yes. Last we sort week. of teased this last in our last episode. Yeah, yeah. So it was definitely, I think, sort of spurned on, like, the whole conversation about documentaries and like all is that how it started I don't know we started talking about Christine and then I read an article about The Walking Dead and I shared that with you and yes and we have touched a little bit on this when we talked when I we did our true crime episode I was looking through I was like did we talk about this before (laughs) Um, we talked about this a little bit but I feel like it's worth a full episode for sure uh, talking about and yeah we I feel like we came up with some really great we had a really great back and forth and i typed it all up and so oh, cool. um, just read our text verbatim <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that'll that'll be the episode <laughs> everyone would really like that right we could act it out like a play if you had sent it to me could have been like we could have tested our acting skills yeah 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 pretending yeah. to be ourselves <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean that's a true test of yeah. acting for sure very true um, all right. I suppose it all started, I was watching The Act of Killing, which I still haven't finished, and I oh, no. don't know if I ever will, because it's so <laughs> long, Yeah. but which was a documentary where they um, asked these, like, executioners in mm-hmm. the Indonesia. Indonesia. Okay. Um, took me a second there, but then I was like, oh yeah, that's where my aunt is from, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they had, they had them, like, recreate their executions for mm-hmm. on, like on film like instead of just what i imagined it to be was oh that's a documentary where they asked them to talk about and maybe take them to the location where it happened or something but no instead they were like we're going to give you a quick camera equipment and stuff and you are going to stage scenes and you're going to make a movie about your killings mm-hmm. and so it was just really creepy and terrifying and then i was like well, we do recreate these horrific stories all the time, you know? And what's the difference between these guys just, like, gleefully telling us about how they murdered all these people and, you know, our constant fascination and recreation of the Holocaust and why do we have Civil War (laughs) reenactors? And, you know, things like that. Like, what is our societal fascination with violence and mm-hmm. why does sometimes like in that case in the case of the documentary why does that seem so much more horrifying coming from these guys is it because they're smiling is it because they're free and they weren't punished at all you know like basically mm-hmm. so I was asking you know like is it time and distance that makes these things more acceptable you know how how do we culturally deem this acceptable if we're talking just about this documentary i think part of it is the fact that it is a documentary Mm -hmm. and that makes it completely different from like other pop culture entertainment because there i think they were trying to use this format to pull out something very specific which was probably like look at how as you were saying like look at how gleeful they are about their these horrible acts and so like that i think the whole point is to make you as the viewer question are you gleeful? Like, right. are, are you enjoying it sort of thing? Right. And when you watch The Walking Dead and they lovingly show a baseball bat co- covered in someone's blood that was someone right. who was just brutally murdered, are you are you going like, yeah, you got are, it. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I And that's what 
I, that's where my mind went because we started talking about it in the context of documentaries because that was our topic. But then mm-hmm. we sort of morphed over into entertainment and like how it's definitely, I would say, more acceptable in documentary world because the whole point is that you're you're trying to show the truth and sometimes the truth is horrifying. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about entertainment like The 100 or The Walking Dead or Westworld. Or Game like, of Thrones. Or... Game of Thrones for definitely. Like why what's the point? Mm-hmm. Why are we punishing ourselves? Why are we punishing the characters? Is it healthy? Right. <laughs> I, I just have so many questions and I feel like I'm slowly turning into one of those old ladies, like very conservative ladies that's like violence on TV makes children violent, yeah, which yeah. I know is not true. Like that is has been proven to be false, right. definitely a myth. But at the same time, I feel like deep down when I watch stuff that is re- really like visceral and gory and stuff like that it's like i'm i feel like humanity is garbage we don't Uh deserve to be here we should just let the squirrels (laughs) take over and we'll all go jump in the ocean and die like (laughs) like i I, i've been wondering lately because for most of my life i hated horror movies and was terrified by them and just didn't want to watch them at all Mm -hmm. and then like this last year or so like with like last year basically for Halloween I had my friend Simone Arnaldo over and we watched horror movies and I thought god I'm not gonna enjoy this at all mm-hmm. and it had almost no impact on me like it I was like analyzing it for story value and like <laughs> yes there was occasionally things that jumped out and scared me but like the horror and the blood and the guts I was like oh I see this every week on mm-hmm. half the shows I watch you mm-hmm. know like I've become so desensitized to it and you start to wonder like what is the value in desensitizing all of us to this Mm. you know I think that was the key word because you wrote out a lot of notes on our google doc about this Mm -hmm. and one of the things I pulled out that you had written was desensitization which is very hard for me to say (laughs) can get us through the day hearing about real life events but it shouldn't be required for our entertainment Mm -hmm. and I think that's where I draw the line it's like I you I feel like I am a very, I'm filled with a lot of empathy for a lot of things. Yes. Most of the time they are like plants or otters <laughs> or, you know, my stuffed animal that I still sleep with at night. But like when I watch the news, all of us, when we all watch the news, you can't feel that empathy for every story that you're watching. Because, mm-hmm. And especially like people are, people, okay. People think that the world is more violent and, you know, when you turn on the news, it's always bad and everything mm-hmm. like that. But part of it is, it, it's not escalating, it's just that the world is much smaller now because reporting on international events is so much easier. So you right. are hearing every international event being reported mm-hmm. on. So it jumbles up in front of you and you're like, oh my god, I'm not going to get through the day because everything is terrible. I get CNN news alerts every two hours saying something else has happened. You gotta turn so, that off. <laughs> sometimes they tell me about like the Oscars. I don't know. I know that's wouldn't that that I had that for a brief while of news alerts and it infuriated me to no end because it was they would it was breaking news every hour but the what constituted breaking news mm-hmm. was all over the place and so yeah. it that's another thing that sort of desensitizes you to it you know where you, like I want an alert on my phone if there is something like. I get alerts when there's flooding or whatever in my area. Like, (laughs) that is important breaking news I need to know now because it might affect 
my life in this moment, you know, and, or, you know, breaking news, like, we're going to war, you know, like, I need to know those things. Breaking news, Oscar nominees are in, you know, I don't, I don't need (laughs) an alert for that. And I don't need (laughs) that that burst of anxiety where you see breaking news. Oh my God, what could it be? Mm -hmm. You know, what horrible thing could it be this time? Oh, it's not horrible this time. So like, breaking news loses all meaning. It's true. I, we definitely have lost our scale, like our Richter scale for the news equivalent out there. Like, right. it, it doesn't matter anymore. Everything is breaking. Everything right. is news. <laughs> right. If you have news, a news channel on 24 hours, mm-hmm. yeah, then everything that you're showing, well, we have to justify why we're talking about this right now. Well, it's just, it's breaking news. Like, that's, that's what's underneath every single thing is breaking mm-hmm. news. This thing happened three days ago that we're talking about. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so I want to talk about desensitization. Mm-hmm. I can't say it. You have to say it for me. <laughs> I don't know that I could. <laughs> so do you think that, like, do you think that you are becoming more desensitized because you are watching more TV? Or do you think it's, like, inevitable? Like, because we are living in a world, the world we're living in right now, it's going to happen if you're watching you know, The Walking Dead or not. Like, I'm not watching The Walking Dead. Right. But I still feel like I was affected by it this week, so we should also talk about The Walking Mm -hmm. Dead. Well, like, yeah, for a minute there I was like, oh, is my okayness with horror and stuff like that just me growing up, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, and I was just a scared kid or whatever. But I don't, I think these things are directly contributing to, the more you see something, the like, I used to have a real thing about blood like I used to have a real phobia like I would like my limbs would stop moving (laughs) you know they would stop Mm -hmm. working if if I thought about these certain things and now that's almost completely gone at this point like I don't have that sensitivity anymore I remember in senior year of college when I was in your room at one point and I said, oh, I can't do whatever tomorrow. I'm going to give blood. And you immediately, like, (laughs) fell over onto the bed. (laughs) And I was like, oh, can never tell Becca that I'm giving blood. That's, Uh, like, the one exception is me imagining don't, like, giving, getting blood drawn. Drawn. And that's like the one but still i don't have the physiological reaction i used to have Mm -hmm. it's still a reaction for sure but you didn't just fall out of your chair (laughs) but i didn't just fall out of my chair i just did i didn't go you know like i didn't pass (laughs) out or whatever and i think that if you were to show me an episode of the walking dead to my 15 year old self or whatever Mm -hmm. i would not be able to look at the screen Mm. and there are still moments where what was I I was watching something maybe it was Westworld or something I don't know what it was but it was like so unnecessarily disgusting and just to show it like the amount of times I see like surgeries and things like that where they instead they don't just like show you the doctor's faces or whatever Mm -hmm. they show you up close like look at this look how realistic we can make it and it's like what value is that bringing to us what narrative you know value is that giving us Mm -hmm. and I think that's a good point because you've definitely talked about this before where I think you said that your dad has said that the most accurate show medical show was scrubs like scrubs never had those close-ups of like look how how much blood there is and stuff like that it's like that's not when people that are 
like in the medical profession sit down to watch medical dramas they're not there for that like that's yeah. their day job but they don't want to see that they want to see like Grey's Anatomy actors kissing or whatever like <laughs> just like the rest of us we want to see hot people kissing I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to see the surgeries so I think the thing you were thinking of was either the first episode or second episode of the fall from this season that's currently airing because they had a very graphic surgery or Westworld I'm a week behind, but the episode that I just watched was where they cut off that guy's head. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I remember being on my couch and literally yelling out loud, hiding my face, turning into the couch and <laughs> just being like, no, why? Yeah. Yeah, because, and this was also on your list that you had written down, because the line that proceeds in that Westworld episode, the mm-hmm. line that proceeds this, like, robot's head getting, very realistic head getting cut yeah. off is the guy doing the cutting saying, you should look away to the other girl. Uh-huh. And you're like, all right, great. And the camera switches to her. Right. And then you're like, I, I was laying on the couch, and I yeah. was like, okay, I can watch. And then it flipped back to him showing the entire process of cutting the head off. Mm-hmm. And I, like, instantly face into the couch, like, why am I watching this show? Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and And you think, like, okay, what... Was I want someone every time they're writing these sequences, I want someone in the room asking them, explain to me why we need to see that. And I want to ask the directors, you know, explain to me why us seeing that moves the story forward. Mm-hmm. What value does that have? And ultimately, it has nothing. It adds nothing. All we had to know was they have to remove the head or something to like, what was it to stop him or something? I don't well, know. It, exactly. That was the point. It was like, it was so unclear because I was so nervous that they were going to show me something horrible because yeah. it was, the scene already was like a little bit jump scary. Yeah. Where they ominous. Were like in the, they were in the dark. Like they can't Truman show this scenario and turn the lights on in one quadrant <laughs> so they could be in the lights. I have uh, quite a few problems with Westworld. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about the logistics of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so I was just, like, already on, on like, alert, like, red alert in my mind, where I was like, something's gonna be bad, and then, I, I just don't know, I, like, why, it's a great point, why do we have to see it, it does it add to your viewing pleasure? It's supposed mm-hmm. to be entertaining, is it? Right. I mean, I guess people that are fans, I'm not a fan of horror movies, but people that are, maybe that is exciting in a way, or, I don't, it just doesn't seem like it fits any niche in my mind of like yeah that's the stuff i came to hbo to see right like if the majority of us are turning into tuning into westworld because we're fascinated by the premise and the ideas Mm. that they're like displaying and the questions they're asking and the mystery that's unfolding and the the plots that we're uncovering then why would we also be interested in saw levels of violence you know because i feel like there's a difference between psychological thrillers scary movies and horror you know like guts blood and guts horror movies and i Mm -hmm. think i'll never get on board with like saw type movies because they're not about fear so much as as just horror you know disgust you know and and i don't see why that needs to be included in a so-called prestige drama Mm. i guess well, okay, so you watched The Walking Dead for many seasons. Yeah, too many. Why, why were you watching The Walking Dead? There Did were you... a, one or two characters that I kept rooting for that I wanted to know what happened to them every week. Okay. And I think Did... that's how they got people. That's how they kept people 
wondering what happens. And that's how they kept people through between these last two seasons, which was the question at the end of the last season was instead of who shot JR or whatever, it's <laughs> which guy did the main villain kill? Which kill, person right. did the main villain kill? And you'll find out if you tune in 20 minutes into the second, into this you know, season, season premiere. premiere. Yeah. Which hell, I mean, their ratings were huge for that episode. Right. So it, it clearly worked. They're not going to learn a lesson from it. No. But at the same time, like one of the problems we've talked about with specifically the walking dead is they can show X amount of zombies being killed because they're not really human. And they can, you know, they can show their, many of their main characters being killed because they think it, yeah, they think it ups the stakes, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time they can't, swear on right. that network so it's like what this huge double standard like I, in some part of my mind i get why hbo like with game of thrones and westworld does that sort of stuff but with something like the walking dead when your whole show can't be at that level right then like why even bother because it's going to be so yeah unbalanced at the end of the day like it's not going to be realistic I, that would bother me as mm-hmm. a fan if i were watching it and like you know, Battlestar Galactica got around that, but it's still, yeah. everybody noticed it. <laughs> but I, I think, like, I, I don't, I can't imagine that The Walking Dead will learn anything from this. Mm-mm. And I, I like, that bothers me too. I'm sad. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> now they're, they're stuck in this really boring formula mm-hmm. that it, they just, you know, rinse and repeat <laughs> every mm-hmm. season. And the fact that people are still watching you know justifies that to them you know mm-hmm. and it's just and i just and so the name of the article that we read was the empty violence of the walking dead and i thought that was such a perfect way to put it because it is just empty because mm-hmm. i feel like if you're going to show horrific violence then there better be a damn good reason to do mm-hmm. it and you better be teaching me something about humanity or you better be having me question something or move me in some way because if this is if you're doing something purely for shock Mm. and if you say it's to raise the stakes or whatever I don't believe you because there are comedies with more stakes I feel like than The Walking Dead oh yeah did you watch this week's episode of um The Good Place yes that's a great example of how every at the end of every episode of that show which is a half hour comedy on NBC they always manage to make the stakes change mm-hmm. and you're like oh my god i want to watch i that is a show i feel like if i were marathoning it it would it would go by so quickly because at the mm-hmm. end of every episode you're like i got to see what happens now yeah. oh my god what's happening now and it's right. a comedy it's mm-hmm. so funny but that i would keep tuning into that show forever yes instead of something like Game of Thrones, where you're like, oh, your other fan favorite just got murdered. Surprise! I'm like, well, great, thanks. Right. And after we tricked you into thinking that he was dead before. Right. right. And that he somehow... But it's like, and it's like, anyone can die, except, you know, the main mm-hmm. white guy. Right. Mm-hmm. He will never die. Because until they kill him, then your line, anyone can die, is just bullshit. Yep. Oh, God. I just feel like such a sucker when I... Because yeah. I have watched shows that do that, and, yeah. I, and I've and i stayed with them for far too long. Right. Mm. I mean, I watched The Walking Dead for so long, and I still see people on my Facebook feed posting, oh, Walking Dead's back, I, I'm so excited, or whatever, and it's like, 
it's it's really condescending of me to think like, oh, poor child, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like you're still stuck in that trap. But I was stuck in that trap for like six seasons. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. know, I was still like convinced that every so often the bright spots of good writing every six episodes or so, you know, would justify me sticking around for something. Mm -hmm. And it's just at a certain point when... When it feels like it doesn't respect its audience, it that's the point where you really need to step back. Yeah. Because I think that's that's the worst when it just feels like they're just yanking their audience around for ratings. You know, it's mm. a, it's, it's not a fun feeling. No, it's not to be I, manipulated into watching something. It's never going to be satisfying. No, and there's also I there's never going to be. A conclusion to that storyline that is satisfying as well. Yes. Because if the whole show is built on that premise, which is like, you'll never know what happens mm-hmm. next, it's gonna be bloody, mm-hmm. and then how is it gonna end except for in tears? Uh, other than everyone <laughs> dies, you right. know? Other There's... than, because if the whole premise of your show is everything is pointless, mm-hmm. you know, very nihilistic sort of, it's all pointless no matter what we do, we're all gonna die horrifically. The world is a sad, cruel, random, awful place, and humans are worse than zombies. You mm. know, what? yeah, what could you possibly build towards? You know, what, what do you see your characters striving for? Mm. You know, at a certain point, if they're all completely broken by this, how is your audience not? You know, like, that can't be a... I, I, it is still amazing to me, the ratings that it pulls in, because I, I don't know how it's... It's not a nourishing show, you know? It's a yeah. soul soul draining uh, excursion. I can't imagine working on a show like that as well. And mm-hmm. not not even just an actor capacity, but in like a writer or director or even just like somebody on the sidelines capacity where you you know you're putting something out into the world that millions of people are going to watch and they're going to feel bad about themselves after. Mm. Or they're going to feel bad about their choices in, you know, like, in believing in you as a showrunner or an actor portraying somebody that they loved or whatever. And I think you're just, like, it's so demoralizing. Right. I, I right. think and it then, leaves everybody feeling so terrible. Yeah, because because if if you're not watching it for the narrative payoff, then Mm -hmm. you're kind of ultimately watching it for the torture porn, for the violence. And you are, that's what you're enjoying the most about it is how brutal and horrifying and disgusting can they make it, you know? Mm -hmm. And if they keep upping the stakes and you keep saying, oh man, now Rick, you know, like bit someone to kill him, you know, that happened in in an episode (laughs) I watched, you know? And we're supposed to be like, oh man, this is crazy. Instead, you're Mm. just like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) I think that we should talk talk about that for a little bit because one of the reasons when we went on our tirade together, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons I was really invested was because I had just gone through very deep uh, Reddit searching on the John Benet Ramsey case, and I was preparing to go see Christine the doc or the movie, mm-hmm. not the documentary, and had just had a conversation with my dad about a Pennsylvania state senator who had commit suicide on television. Mm-hmm. Right, because so, for anyone who doesn't know, Christine is a movie about a, a reporter in anchor, the seventies yeah. who killed herself on air, and yeah, it's the movie about her. 
Yeah, so at, I think we discussed it a little bit in the documentary episode, but there's two movies coming out, and one is uh, stars Rebecca Hall, who is in the town, which I love. <laughs> I love the town so much. <laughs> um, but she's playing Christine. It's just a biopic, basically. And the other one is the documentary about an actress trying to get into the headspace of the actual mm-hmm. Christine, which is, like, impossible. Yeah. So I... I brought this up with my dad when we were on one of our road trips together, and I said, oh, did you ever hear about her or anything? He was like, no, but I do know about Bud Dwyer. And I was like, who's that? And so he told me this story, which I had never heard of, where a Pennsylvania state senator named Bud Dwyer was being investigated, and he gave a press conference, and this was in, like, 1981, and at the press conference at the end, he took out a gun, and he started threatening people in the room by saying, I'm going to shoot myself. And he was like, leave if you don't want to see this. And some people stayed to try and stop him, but he eventually ended up shooting himself. Mm-hmm. So this was unlike Christine Chubbuck, this was not live on air, but a whole bunch of TV stations in Pennsylvania decided to air his suicide yeah. and to varying degrees. So some aired it by freezing it right as he shot himself, freezing the footage. Mm -hmm. Some aired it with just the sound. And then some, including Channel 6 Action News ABC, aired it completely, twice, the entire suicide. Including, like, at 5 and 6 p.m. when children were home from school. Right. With no warning beforehand, also. So, like, my, my question when we started talking about this was, like, what do we when this is like real life when we're talking about Christine Chubbuck and Bud Dwyer mm-hmm. is there anything to be gained from seeing actual trauma because I say no I don't think so but at the same time I really want to see that documentary about Christine and I want to yeah. see the movie Christine so in one way we're sort of glorifying it mm-hmm. by creating you know feature films about people that commit suicide live on air and it's very exciting in a way and it's never happened before in America but at the same time you feel awful (laughs) because this was a real person in the 70s or the 80s and now they are entertainment well I still can't get over the news stations showing Mm -hmm. that because the and they said they put out a statement saying that we thought this was because of its newsworthiness or whatever because of the importance of the story we felt we had to show it and I thought you didn't have to show anything. All you had to mm-hmm. do was tell the story. Mm-hmm. You know, you just had to say, this happened. And right. there is no need to show that. I think it's a different story when you talk about police shootings. There's a great bit at the end of the documentary, The 13th, where they talk about this, where they say, you know, it's it can, it's really horrible when the only image you see of yourself on TV and on the news is you being murdered, you know, and and so it can and it's and it can be really horrifying to see. But at the same time, with police shootings, often the video is what, you know, reveals the truth of the situation because there were questions about what happened. And but at the same time, do we as the public need to see this or do mm. the people who, who like do the families and the prosecutor or whatever, are they the only ones who really need to see this video? Why do we all need to watch these things on a loop? I mean, I was watching PBS the other day, and they had a program on 
where it was a guy talking to a, uh, he was like a security officer. He has his own like security firm where he's trying to reinvent policing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they would just say, I'm going to show you this clip now and you can tell me what these cops did wrong. And they were all these deaths, these shooting deaths. And it was almost sort of like, and let's watch this with no regard for is it okay <laughs> that I show this? You know, is it okay right. that I show you this person's death and we analyze it, you know, sort of a thing? And I think it's really tricky with certain things like that. And But I think certain things like on-air suicides and stuff, there's no question in my mind what the right thing to do in that situation is. And it, that is to never show that. Right. But the part of the Christine Chubbuck thing is that her, her suicide footage is not in the public domain like nobody right. has that it, there is a, apparently a tape of it that's in the hands of a law firm now yes but there are huge swaths of people online that are on all of these websites like findadeath.com which websites i've never heard of yeah where it's like a subculture of people that want to watch these horrible mm-hmm. videos and when i was like reading this vulture article about Christine Chubbuck and her real life and how it inspired these two films that are coming out at the same time, I was like, man, I kind of would watch that. And then I was like, oh my god, stop it! <laughs> and it was the same exact yeah. trajectory that I had with John Benet Ramsey, where I was like, I had I knew about it, and I was like, I want to figure out, like, I want to know more about this case, and then I was like, I'm going to figure out this case. And I right. was like, oh my god, a very small child died. Yeah, Like, there's always this really sharp downfall where you're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. I'm in some way reveling in somebody's death or pain. or And mm-hmm. even if, like, of course it's not the same if we're talking about, you know, people dying at the hands of police brutality and people, characters on The Walking Dead. But mm-hmm. in some way, they are at the same time affecting you. Right. Personally, like when you're going through your life, no matter who you are seeing, you know, be a victim they are still affecting you. Yeah, and you know, we talked about this a little bit last week about the idea of blurring the lines between what is real and what is not. And so oftentimes these deaths on The Walking Dead and things like that look more real than Mm. if we were to watch, if we saw a police shooting, you know, because often that's at a distance with the camera phone, you know, and, and we're sort of seeing it and we can detach a little bit. And and so if our media looks so realistic that mm-hmm. real death is are now our viewing of that is now impacted by our our desensitization, you know, that we've seen. And, and, and if we're like you were saying how you saw Cartel Land and you had to remind yourself, oh, this is a documentary. This is real. Mm-hmm. Like these bodies or whatever that they showed us. Yeah, that those are real people. You know, mm-hmm. and if you have to remind yourself because art has gotten so good now to like so realistic to the point where we can't tell the difference anymore, then the violence you're showing, this hyper realistic violence that you're showing is having I feel like it's having no difference of an impact on us as us seeing actual real killings and violence. Mm-hmm. You know, I and, agree. I I yeah. don't know. And I'm really I, I'm really tired of them of media companies and whatever people saying, "Well, we're just giving people what they want." Mm-hmm. This is what they want and it says, you know, first of all, I don't want that. Right. <laughs> and and even if there is our we do have a weird sick fascination with these things, maybe you shouldn't give it to us. 
Yeah. You know, maybe you shouldn't give us what we want. Maybe you should have some sort of integrity in that sense and say, let's appeal to the better angels of our half. You know, like, let's let's try and be better as humans and not exploit this gross little desire that we have in the back of mm. our minds, you know? And let's not yeah. let's not take the weight out of real violence. I was trying to come up with good examples of really violent TV shows and it was first of all very difficult <laughs> because <laughs> there I think there are so many times where you can say that show would succeed without it. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking up to see if anybody had ever written an article about this or whatever and the only thing I found was so surprisingly but at the same time not surprisingly an article by Mo Ryan who <laughs> I never seem to actually read her articles because I can't find them but I found one from 2013 that she had written for the TV club which was titled Hannibal is hard to watch but worth it mm-hmm. because Hannibal was on my list because in that uh, Walking Dead article you had shared with me yeah. they, they mentioned Hannibal and I was like oh right that was really horrible <laughs> but I was thinking about it and I was like that would maybe be one of two shows on my list for shows that are served better because of their violence mm-hmm. at the end of the day and so what she said in her article is I'm just going to read this little quote was because she was her article was discussing like how she as a tv reviewer deals with like how do I what do I write about like what do I pick to focus right. on what shows do I want to watch that sort of thing so she said how do we pick what to write about for me it often comes down to whether a show is doing something new aesthetically or thematically or experimenting in fruitful ways with characters or storytelling if not if it's a riff on those things somehow is is, (laughs) if not is its riff on those things somehow fresh distinctive or compelling is it following a very old format but doing something thoughtful weird beautiful or disturbing with it does this show have a reason to live Mm. and i was like perfect thank you mo ryan (laughs) that is perfect does the walking dead need to be a tv show like (laughs) how are are these many many seasons following you know successful previous seasons useful in any way are they telling a story that hasn't already been told by the previous six seasons did the comics not do a good enough job and i was like hannibal totally fits that bill of like a show that existed to fill a void which was within a previous story so in the silence of the lambs and the book series and it followed one of the things i think is so important is that it followed the victim although it was called hannibal it was not about he was not really the main character at the end of the day the main Mm -hmm. character is will graham who was one of his victims and so by focusing on the victim and not the perpetrator you as an audience member are connecting with somebody that is not perpetrating the violence so you right i think that's so important because on game of thrones all the time you are rooting for the people that are the most violent right and like the greatest example of that i think is that fight between the mountain and the other guy the snake guy what was Mm -hmm. his name and he you know blinds that guy with his hands yeah. And you're like, yeah, he's winning. And they're like, oh my god, he just blinded a dude. Like, you're rooting for somebody that just blinded somebody. 
And then well, he goes on to die. <laughs> I don't think we were rooting for the mountain. <laughs> oh, no, wait. He was the one. Wait, didn't he kill? He, like, stabbed him before he got blinded, right? I confused. Right, what, yeah. We were rooting for the other guy. And he was right. also committing pretty horrific violence. Exactly. Not that horrific. Where right. Where we were <laughs> screaming and hiding our faces. Right. So, like, I think, although definitely Hannibal is the most horrific show I ever watched. However, and this was in a couple different articles I found about that show, the violence was stylized in a way that made it less gory in a way. Like, it was without a doubt gory, but it was, it felt like it was, you were looking at a Renaissance painting in a way, like really, you know, really gory paintings of, you know, people Mm -hmm. going to hell and stuff. It was very artistically and specifically done so there were never they there was never a time where the director was like all right well we'll just focus on this guy's you know severed limb for a while to freak people out like it was never everything was very deliberate and it was always exploring the root of violence in a way Mm -hmm. i don't know i i think that there are so many shows that forget that that's maybe the reason we're watching like that's definitely why people are watching The Walking Dead, right? Like, they want to know what makes people violent, I would hope. Or, like, right, what like, drives them to be that way. Right, like, because it's it's punctuated with these, you know, deep conversations or whatever between characters where we learn about how they, you know, became this way or what they think about living in this world and, and who they want to be in this, in this new, you know, lawless world or whatever. And so I assume that's what kept compelling people to keep watching because you get attached to these characters and their journeys of, you know, like they're just trying to survive in this awful world and how do they survive and, and how do they keep their humanity, you know? Mm. But at a certain point, yeah, it just, it has, it's just populated by this, gratuitous violence that adds nothing to that question it doesn't tell you about this character it doesn't tell you about what it's like to be surviving you know it's the spin-off of the walking dead so far you know knock on wood has really stuck to that that old formula of let's just explore humans and every so often we might need to kill a few zombies but not Mm -hmm. that often you know it's always going to be about people and they're talking about you know this awful thing has happened to me now like how do I go on what's the purpose of going on like why are we you know what are we aiming towards like and they have different philosophies on on what they're aiming for in their life and I think that's the value of a show like that you Mm -hmm. know that's why that show I think deserves to live you know Mm. until it stops doing that (laughs) which I of course kind of anticipate (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, I was I was trying to figure out if there are any other shows, and one of the other ones I came up with, and you'll have to help me because I watched both the British and the American version, and I know I am confusing the two, but Broadchurch is another show I think uses violence successfully because there is so little of it. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm thinking of the... Okay, the American one was garbage. Nobody ever watch it, (laughs) but... If I watched that one more recently, so I think I'm confusing them, but I, if I'm correct, I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen it, they, they show you the crime in the very last episode to show you who the murderer is, because mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole show is trying to unravel who killed a child in this very small seaside town. Yeah. And they 
in the very last episode, they show you who did it and how it happened. Mm -hmm. And because you have spent the entire rest of the season, which is short, you know, it's only 10 episodes or whatever, um, getting to know all of the characters of the town so well, Mm -hmm. when you see very, you know, very limited piece of violence, it is shocking. Right. And that's what I think the whole point is. Like, that's when you're, like, connected personally with the characters on the screen, and it hurts in a way that is sincere, Mm -hmm. rather than seeing another useless death on Mm -hmm. an HBO show. And I would almost take that any other day than, than stuff like... Game of Thrones, like, right. I, like I think The Fall also does that, where, all, uh, although it toes the line sometimes, mm-hmm. and maybe too extreme, but it is, I, the word I always keep coming back to is sincere, like, the filmmakers are using their camera wisely, right? which I think is super Yeah, important. and with The Fall, they're also dissecting the violence in, in a unique way, you know, mm-hmm. they're saying, this is misogynistic violence this is a manifestation of something that we don't like to talk about you know sort of a thing and yeah I think that's so true that and and I think we see the same we were talking about this before with rape on shows and Mm. basically it's one of those things that I think if if you're going to show that you better damn well back it up with you know something to say about it you know you Mm. better be willing to sit with the consequences and you better be willing to talk about how you know and and put it in a setting you know like like Broadchurch you know like show how completely damaging and out unraveling this act of violence can be on mm-hmm. a community on a person you know and if you're not willing to do that then you shouldn't ha- have the ability to do any other sort of horrible mm-hmm. gratuitous violence you know you should like that power should be taken from you if you can't use it wisely it's true yeah. Well, one of the other things I want to talk about is, do shows like SVU and, you know, Chicago Police, whatever it's called, Chicago PD, <laughs> Chicago Police, um, copyright, that's Crime my procedurals. version of the show. <laughs> yeah, do they help or hurt the situation? Because part of me wants to say they help, because they often focus on survivors and victims and things like that. But at the same time, I think they are so normalized that it can add to the desensitization. I I would separate SVU from any other crime procedural, honestly, because Mm -hmm. I think it's the only show that really does focus on victims and it does complicate issues and it tells you it sees a case through from start to finish, like including the trial and everything and how complicated Mm -hmm. things can be. And they complicate the perpetrator and they complicate the victim and they really, you know, make you think about this crime and they show the consequences of that. I would argue that most crime procedurals do not do that. It's mostly about trying to find a killer. They find a killer at the end of the week and thus justice is done, you -hmm. know? And I think we developed this very weird sense of justice through that plus the desensitization like if you think about csi and how long ago that started and Mm -hmm. how it was one of those first shows that really 
zoomed in on these horrific, you know, corpses and things like that. And they really showed us that in all, and you know, but at the same time, no cursing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then it always has to be this justice at the end where we, we got the bad guy, mm. you know, because otherwise, why would you watch sort of a thing? Can I tell you a quick story about CSI? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the other day I, I was, where was I? At a hotel? Oh, when my dad and I were in South Carolina visiting my grandma, we stayed at a hotel and CSI was on instead of Law & Order SVU on um, USA. And I was very disappointed. <laughs> but I watched it because I was like, oh, you know, I'll, whatever. It's, the, it's fine. And I instantly was like, I remember this episode. It was so clear to me. And I was like, I, I can name every single thing that happened because it was a really terrible... Like, it was about a baby that had been left in a car. Mm. And the baby obviously died because they're in Nevada. So they were investigating the death. And you find out that it was all cover-up because they wanted to, you know, they didn't want the baby to suffer because they thought the baby was had a, like, a congenital defect oh, or something. I think I've seen this. Right. And I remembered it so clearly. And I was, it was terrifying to me. And I was like, how deep-seated is this? episode in my mind that I have seen it once I know I've never seen it again Mm because I only ever watched it with my grandma when it was live airing on TV (laughs) and I remembered it so well and I was like how many CSI episodes are stored in my terrible memory right (laughs) I must remember hundreds of them like we I would go to her house every Wednesday and we would always watch CSI and I remember the one with the piranhas where I was scarred for life like for life people I in for in real life went with my dad to the hospital one time when he had a nosebleed that wouldn't stop bleeding and i saw a gunshot victim with a gunshot to the face and i don't remember that that does not haunt me the thing that haunts me is that csi piranha episode <laughs> i swear to god it is will it will never leave me it'll it'll always be there and i'm like i hope i survive as a person <laughs> i don't know i just i I think I've just reached a point where I'm, like, so easily turned off by TV shows, which has mm-hmm. never happened to me before. I, It is getting easier and easier for me to unfollow things and for me to just cold turkey stop shows. Yeah. And I hope other people are coming to that conclusion, too, about yeah. specifically The Walking Dead. Like, you can stop watching it, please. Right. <laughs> I really hope that we're maybe starting to see a slight cultural shift where people are starting to reject these hyper violent things because i just i'm tired of them saying this is what we're just giving people what they want Mm. i want people to start saying we don't want that you know Mm -hmm. we're watching this despite the violence not because of it Mm. and so hopefully that's that's the turn that uh that will make as a society yeah i think westworld is gonna be on the fence for me for a little bit because right it has the potential to be one where I'm like, and I'm done. Yeah. Like, if there's one episode, which is what happened to me with Game of Thrones and definitely, like, Spartacus and stuff like that, mm-hmm. if there's one episode where I'm like, that's enough, that will be enough. I yes. will just stop. And part of me wants that to happen because <laughs> is it – the question I always ask myself is, like, is it worth it? Is it worth it to sit right. through watching this guy get beheaded and then jump out at me at the screen like do mm-hmm. i do do i have to sit through this no right. should i probably not <laughs> i do cuz i i i yeah the whole time it's always like this 50-50 balance of as long as the the needle sort of moves more towards 
narrative interestingness, you know, Mm -hmm. versus violence, then I'll stay on board. But the minute that needle moves Mm -hmm. past that, I'm out, you know? I do want to take a quick detour because you did mention it at the top about our fascination with, you know, war movies and the Holocaust and stuff like that. I did recently watch some episodes of Band of Brothers and the Pacific with Kyle, and I think there is merit in historical dramas that are focused on war. Because as somebody that never lived through that, like, I did not live through World War II, it is specifically with Band of Brothers and the Pacific, I think it's very interesting to see a group of soldiers together and where they come from and them following them throughout the whole journey. Now, I think that stops when we you we definitely have enough of those movies and TV shows and they've gotten enough Oscars. Like there are many other things we could make movies about. And Steven Spielberg, Spielberg has already made all the good ones, so maybe move on. I but mean, I imagine think... how much more fascinating that movie would be if it had it was Band of Brothers and it was the American... I haven't seen it, so maybe this is it. But okay. you, you follow this American Band of Brothers who are fighting in Europe? Yeah. Okay, and yeah. imagine at the same time you're following a Band of Brothers or whatever fighting for Germany. That's what, um, that's what Clint Eastwood's two miniseries are about. That's the letters to Iwo Jima one. Oh, okay. That, they, they do that. Where there's You see it from both sides. See, that's great so, I mean, to me. Yeah, the, I, I think there is... That's worthwhile. ...a market for them, for sure. But I think that so many of those movies have been made. Like, Life is Beautiful is the Holocaust movie in my mind, and nobody else needs to make a Holocaust movie, because that is it, you mm. know? Or maybe Schindler's List, whatever. But, like, I think there's only... well. I don't want to say this, but <laughs> there's only so much exploring you can do from the same perspective again and again and again, mm-hmm. because you're going to reach the same conclusion. And that's why I think you said, you know, from, from the other perspective, if you show something like, you know, the hidden figures movie that's coming out about the female right. mathematicians that were behind, you know, NASA, that's a new perspective. Great. Bring it on. But mm-hmm. if, if we're going to see another, you know, folksy boy goes to war movie, I don't think I I need to pay the money to see that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> especially I was watching, if it's going to be uber violent. I was watching Timeless this last week and mm-hmm. they went to Nazi Germany okay. and the, you know, white white bread guy <laughs> lead uh he had some line about like you know, we've always wanted to go I always wanted to go back in time and kill Nazis or whatever and it was like mm-hmm. You always wanted to murder people? (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's very easy and simplistic to be like, oh, they're a Nazi. They're evil, you know, Mm. and they're subhuman or whatever, so we can kill them. But it's like, that's exactly what the Nazis said about (laughs) other people, (laughs) you know? Like, and and so, can we get into recommendations? Yes. Okay, because my recommendation is Black Mirror this week, Mm -hmm. and I think this perfectly flows into one of the episodes was a it's an interesting if blunt uh uh just like uh exploration of soldiers and how they can be manipulated into doing their job appropriately okay. you know sort of a thing and i think every episode pretty much of black mirror i mean some are certainly better than others but all of them i think are really solid it's a show it's an anthology series so every episode is different it's a different hour 
of television every hour and it explores some facet of the near future and a piece of technology and their unintended consequences and pretty much every time they're really negative <laughs> there's one <laughs> exception so if you mm-hmm. only have time for one or two episodes i would say watch be right back and san junipero i would say if you Are only have time season three no be right okay. back is the Haley atwell one Oh, um, that's a great episode. I've, yeah. That's, those are the only two that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. So you've seen the best, but I think I think they're all worth watching, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be very violent, but most of the time the violence is the way we're talking about how it should be shown is just pure horror. You know, in the sense that you're looking at this like, my God, that is awful, the violence mm. that we're seeing. And it's awful because of this. And look at the impact it has on these people and things like that. And some of them, there's no violence at all. It's just like, you know, it's it's very interesting explorations of, you know, what what technology, you know, can have on our lives. You know, there's one where it's, uh, we have these, you know, contacts or whatever implants in our heads where we can every memory is stored like a movie, you know, we can review all of our memories. And so, you know, what does that actually mean in a day-to-day life, you know, sort of a thing. And it's fascinating. I just think, I think it's a really solid series. And I Mm -hmm. think there's some really exceptional episodes in there. And I think the whole thing is worth watching and everything is just a really fascinating thought experiment. And I think it, it really deals, it, it, it makes any violence that is in any episode feels completely justified by the questions it's raising and the story it's telling. One of the questions I always had about Black Mirror, which I never got around to researching, is are all the episodes written by different people? Is that how they all come up with these ideas? Some of them are written by, or co-written, um, like Rashida Jones and uh, the guy from who made Parks and Rec and all that stuff. What is it, mm-hmm. Greg Daniels or something? No, not him. Um, what's his name? Anyway, they wrote <laughs> the first one of this latest season oh. about, like, social media and things like that. And it's still pretty dark, <laughs> but, you know, it's also, like, bright pink the whole time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but most of them are written by the creator of the show, which is amazing to me, honestly, because they're all so different. Yeah. That is impressive, actually. Mm-hmm. Imagine having that, that many ideas. Right? That's crazy. <laughs> I, I just thought, like, man, this is such a perfect show for anyone can just pitch an idea and they can write a one hour and they yeah. just create this world and then every writing credit seems like he's on. <laughs> so, <laughs> But it's it's very efficient storytelling. You have an hour to, to set up an entire near future world and the technology that inhabits it and they mm-hmm. do it so well and you're immersed so quickly and you understand the rules of this world right away i just i i really love black mirror it's on netflix i think i think every one of us every every listener would enjoy it hmm. well my recommendation is not about violence at all except mm-hmm. for there is a shooting <laughs> which is the hamilton documentary that was on pbs last week oh i've been meaning to watch that yeah, I know you're not the super Hamilton fan that a lot of us are, but I watched it with Perry and Lisa when I was visiting them. It's called um, Hamilton's America, and it's part of the fall art series that PBS is doing. And it's every Friday. I actually have to check. Tonight is uh, Bill Murray's, uh, what are they called? The the award that they get, comedians. <laughs> the Mark, Mark Twain. Twain? Mark Twain Prize. Um, anyway, so... We watched this documentary together. Perry and Lisa love Hamilton. However, they had never seen anything from it. 
like any footage or costuming or what the set looked like so it was like I felt like I was experiencing it for the first time with them because they they were just like blown away like oh my god this is and and you finally get to see the people actually singing the songs but part of the joy of the documentary is that they started filming it like four or five years before the the musical made it to Broadway so you're seeing it being constructed Mm. and also thematically it pairs so well with the history of what is being told so the whole thing is just like a historical documentary about Hamilton's life in America Mm -hmm. and at the same time they're threading in the musical and how it connects but because the musical is chronological and you know the history is chronological it pairs so perfectly (laughs) and they you know they interview people like Elizabeth Warren and uh, President Bush and like you know uh, Jimmy Fallon and it, the Roots you know so it's just like every every sort of interpretation is filled like you get every side of the story it's so lovely and you finally get to see like never be seen seen before footage from the musical. And they also go to, like, all these historical places and explore, like, what it was like to be a woman that was single during the war. And it's just, it's, they fit so much into so little time. And I, on the heel of our documentary podcast, I feel like this is the last one I want to recommend for a while. <laughs> it was lovely. So. Great. Yeah. And there is a shooting, obviously. So be <laughs> forewarned. It's very traumatic. <laughs> Um, All right, so you have a uh, what? What did you I, kind of a joke? Did you joke. say it was? It's a Walking Dead joke. So if any of your of the listeners out there have been watching The Walking Dead, you'll get this. If not, I have another zombie joke to tell afterwards okay. to lighten the mood. <laughs> okay. What's Glenn's favorite fast food restaurant? Mm. Popeyes. Ew. <laughs> oh, Somebody told me that at work and I was like, that's awful. Okay, so here oh. here's my other <laughs> joke. I went to, to <laughs> zombie <laughs> Exactly. Um I wouldn't have had to say that joke if they didn't make that episode. That's what I'll say about that. I don't know. We have a, <laughs> we have a responsibility as media cre- uh, content creators and we could we had a choice there. Did we have yeah. did we have to expose our listeners to that? Exactly. What was the value? (laughs) We'll edit it out. (laughs) Okay. I went to zombiejokes.com, which is the worst website ever for jokes. Don't go there unless you want the worst jokes ever, but I'm going to tell you a really bad one. Because it's not a joke. Okay, this was the joke that I found. Why did the zombie buy a jet ski? He wanted wanted to enjoy the apocalypse. What is that? That's not a joke. (laughs) It's like, why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side. Yeah, like, okay. And then also the other one I found that I did enjoy was, what do you call a dead bee? A zombie. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, don't, I'm not recommending zombiejokes.com. Do not go there. They are terrible jokes. Oh. <laughs>